Welcome to another edition of Practical Reliability, insights on the practical implementation of holistic reliability, brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success. I'm George Williams. With me is Joe Anderson. With And today we're going to discuss the work order workflow. Yay! Workflow. Gotta get your flow on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotta get your flow on. Where do we want to start, Joe? Uh, let's start with the easy stuff. Emergency work. Emergency work. Yeah. Let's okay, see. great. And, you know, and I, I know the topic is planning, but we're talking about work order workflow, so that makes sense. So um, emergency work, what do we do? Yeah, it's an emergency. So you dispatch. So you call the again. planner and you're like, hey. I got an emergency. We need you to come plan this job. No. No? Not unless you're uh, mature enough to know that you have job plans for it. Oh. But uh, that's like nobody ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> but, but I mean, it's common really? for people to call a planner, yeah? Well, we call the planner for everything because yeah. it's his fault. Yeah. Right? So the All right. Planner- so, so emergency job, uh, somebody calls up, says, hey, I got this emergency, equipment's down, loss of, you know, fire, flood, Unless, whatever it is. Unless uh, the calls come through to the planner to manage that work, uh, that should be the job of the supervisor. Uh, but maybe depending on the size of the location, maybe the planner and the supervisor are kind of the same. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But... Outside of that, you shouldn't be involved in any of it. Okay, so emergency work. Somebody calls up, says, I need a work order. Something's happening. And we immediately dispatch the technician. Technician goes and assesses what's happening. And essentially, they're the planner for that job. They're going to go get their own parts. They're going to do the work. Um, If they either don't have the parts or cannot get the work done or or find that they can band-aid it and put in a follow-up work order, all those scenarios would go back to the planner, right? So if it's something that we don't have the parts, the planner's going to get the parts and we're going to, at that point, we're going to wait anyway. So we're going to put a job plan together and get it into the scheduling system. Uh, if it is uh, follow-up work because we were able to band-aid it and and the planner's going to get that job, then it, it all ends up back in the, ne- in the other buckets we're going to talk about. It depends on what the call is as well. It could be that something is getting ready to fill. And you could have uh, emergency job kits already put together for certain things or whatever, but in most circumstances, it's just dispatch maintenance and go. Yep. Okay. Awesome. All right. Next topic. Um, System generated work orders. Yeah, we'll do uh, system generated, which would be your PMs, calibrations, PDMs. Um, those types of things. So anything that's coming out of the system that should already have a job plan, if there are parts that get assigned, they should already be assigned to it. Yep. Essentially, it's pre-planned. Yep. And so it goes right into the scheduling bucket. Pretty much. So the planner doesn't see anything. Should the planner be creating those PM the job only, plans? Um, they should help a bit. It just depends on what it is. Right. I guess it's a, again, it's an organizational size and maturity question, yeah. right? If you have a reliability engineer, it should be their function. Oh, of course. Uh, if, if you're not of the size or uh, maturity that you, that you have a reliability engineer, a lot of times that falls on the planner's bucket. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in as well. It's them understanding that uh, I think a lot of planners think that they should be doing everything. 
And that's not the case. Um, like you said, reliability engineer should be helping out, or even a maintenance engineer of some sort um, can do that type of work. Uh, what I would do is even my reliability technicians, is what I would call them, yeah. that did most of our PDM stuff, they would help planners do the same thing. Yeah. Um, developing some of the PDMs and stuff like that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's assume that emergencies are taken care of. Uh, work that is system generated is taken care of. Let's uh, really quick before we move off of system generated work. The things that we do on system generated work typically generate follow ups if we find some condition in the field that's inappropriate yep. or an anomaly. Uh, those follow up work orders would definitely go through the planning function. Well, yeah, should hit the backlog if it's legitimate. I mean, that's how we build a backlog, yeah. right? I mean, we're reliant, not reliant, but the purpose of doing those inspections is yep. so that we can proactively get work in the system and, and manage it and, and right. be ahead of a failure, right? Yep. And the other, the only other thing I could see is if you didn't have parts for a PM, say uh, it's a filter change or something and somebody took the filters and didn't check them out or whatever, um, then you might get with the planner to let him know. Um, something with, with the stock and working with the storeroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's about all I could see. Awesome. Okay, so then that leaves us with everything else. Pretty much. And we'll just call it all normal work, right? Yeah. So this is normal work that goes through the system and, and has to get managed. Um, and So, you know, it all starts with some request for work. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Um, depends on how the system's set up. Uh, every organization seems to be a little different, but normally your requester should put in a, depending on what CMMS you're using, a notification or work request or, or whatever. Um, and that should go into the planner's bucket. And then from there, the planner decides, is it already in the backlog? Is it a duplicate? Is this legitimate work? You know, he has to start going through his decision. Uh, his decision tree on making decisions on what to do with that work request. Yep, without a doubt. So there's a triage step that has yep. to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and not all organizations have that pre-step. Some people just create work orders straight in the system. Yep. It makes it a little bit more complicated because the planner then has to search through the work order system instead of the notification, service request, request, whatever you want to call it, system. Uh, and so if they find duplicates, they just... Uh, 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 depending on the system, you can say it's a duplicate and say it's a related record mm -hmm. um, and, and attach it together. to the work order, yeah, right? Normally, SAP, uh, Maximo, and I think even Oracle. In four, I think all those, yeah. yeah. So, and, and then some of the minor systems maybe don't do that, but you would end up canceling that secondary I request. think a lot of systems don't even have a notification phase. Right, right. And so in those cases, at some point we become a work order. Right. So the planner then has it. And again, we're not talking about all the details on a work order yet. We're not talking about it. We're just talking about the work order's workflow itself, right? Well, that's trusting the information coming in is good. Right. Bearing failing. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but that's all another topic of discussion. Crapper's full. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make an assumption that the data is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, so we convert to a work order. In, and I think there's two possible steps here. Uh, some organizations have a pre-approval step from either operations or budget or, you know, safety that maybe there's some group or multiple groups 
that have to be part of the workflow to say, yes, this is viable. You can execute it. And in some cases, it's a budgetary question. Well, yeah, that's legit. Right. And, if and, it's a $2 million cost to do it. Right. right. Somebody puts in a work order, says, expand my office by 30 feet in each direction. <laughs> right. So, right. So so you might go, well, yeah. not really sure about that. So let's see if that's going to get done. Right. Um, and, and so you've got some pre-approval steps that may have to happen, whether, like I said, whether it's operations or safety or or whatever the case may be. So after those approvals happen and come back, and let's just assume that they, you know, if they get rejected, the work order gets canceled. If they get approved, then the work order moves on. When Um, you cancel a work order, it's important to communicate back to the requester. Without a doubt. And I think that's one of the largest gaps that we have is, they say, well, I put in this work request and no one's doing anything for me and, and those types of things. And I think that's where the communication piece is key. So I don't I don't know about all of the systems, but, you know, being a Maximo, um, I, I just really like Maximo. But um, they have a communication template that you can create and then you can trigger it based on whatever you want. So you every status, if you want it to, you can create a communication template that takes the requester uh, and anytime the status changes, it sends them an email that's a template document that just says, hey, your work order status has changed from this to this, sure. right? So, um, and you can do that, I'm sure, still in, like, in other systems. But I don't like just sending an email. I like the planners actually going out and having that communication. Yeah. Because most people won't even look at the email. Understood. All right. So at that point, uh, the planner gets it. What does the planner do? Um. Well, we said, uh, you're talking post-approval? Yeah, so we're going to say that the initial approval has occurred. So whether it was operations or budgetary or whatever the case may be. Well, it depends on. They then have the approval of of that group. Well, it depends on where they're at um, in maturity. If they already have a job plan and uh, that type of stuff, then. You know, job plans attached, materials, those types of things get ran through storeroom. Um, you get the package. If not, uh, like we said in the previous podcast, you take a certain percentage of work and make sure that you write a really good job plan um, and focus on on those critical pieces. Yeah, I think once you know, once the approval happens, it goes into what we would consider the planning bucket. Right. And the planning bucket is comprised of a, a plethora of activities, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, so it's it's, you know, what types of permits are necessary? What does the job plan details need to be and how detailed do they need to be? Do I have a job plan in a library? Uh, what materials are necessary? What drawings are necessary? What uh, other relative information is necessary? And can I put all those things together in a package? And I think what the work is dictates the the you know complexity of all of those things Mm -hmm. and you know one of the questions i always get is well what's the right level of planning in terms of that and my answer is always nobody can really stand in front of you and tell you that and be emphatic for every job it's really job job dependent so i think criticality will help you with a lot of that if you have criticality right so uh exhaust fan in the warehouse that's you've ran to failure but now you've got a work order in your backlog, you know, because priority is going to determine a lot of that as well. Um, but, you know, on your critical components, high priority items, you want to make sure that those are as well 
documented as possible. Without a doubt. And and the complexity of the job, right? I think yeah. there's a big difference between replace the seal on a pump and, you know, something Tear down that's... down and rebuild this machine. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and one, one requires what we would consider to be work instruction level of detail, and one requires... A simple explanation and and the parts associated with it because that well you skill make an set, assumption there <laughs> that well, you're I, giving it to the right skill set and, and, and even then right it depends on your organization's maturity right, right. so and, so there's too many questions and variables for yeah. someone to give a definitive answer okay back to the workflow so the planner has an inbox they get an inbox they look at the work they triage the work. Uh, and they either they decide either it's something simple or it's something complex uh, or something in between those where they've got to do some level of planning. And so they go through the planning process. In between there, there's this whole do I have the parts piece that could be um, an issue. And so if the parts are not readily available, then um, then it has to go to some waiting for material status. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in many cases, hopefully, uh, you have all of your parts inside the CMS, whether they are stock or non-stock. They should always have a part number inside the CMS. I agree, but that's uh, 99% not happening. I, I know. A lot, a lot of organizations say, if I stock it, fine. If not, I don't want it in the system, but that hurts the planner. The planner have should have access to everything. Or you have boxes sitting outside, and you have... <laughs> Uh, toolboxes. Where's that reference from? <laughs> it's not just there. It's, it, a lot of places are that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the former place I worked at, we had three old buildings that I found out a year into my job that existed that had parts in them. We had a we had a site in Europe that had uh, a an I don't want to say undocumented, but they had a, a warehouse down the street that used an old AS four hundred system. And, and then they had everything that was in Maximo. And so if the part wasn't in Maximo, you then had to go into AS400 to see if it was down the street yeah, somewhere. Yeah, been, so. been there. They can relate to it. Yeah. <laughs> Green screen it, baby. Green yeah. screen it. <laughs> right. Uh, All right. So if assuming the parts uh, get ordered and then they come in, some CMMS systems, when the parts are received, will change that status automatically. Uh, and you can change it to some status that's a that's uh, you know that says okay the parts are in and we're ready to go. Once the parts are in and are ready to go, what's the next step? Uh, if everything's ready, package is ready, it moves on to scheduling. I couldn't agree more. So uh, so we go to scheduling. So once it's in the scheduler's bucket, the scheduler. Uh, really has to run their show. They have to run their weekly meeting. They've got to start putting things onto the schedule. Uh, I think one of the first questions we can find out from a scheduling perspective is, can this be done during normal hours or normal operation, or is this something that requires a shutdown? Yep. And then if it's something that, you know, and, and a lot of times the planner will, will do that. They'll adjust the priority of the work order to say it's shutdown related. Right. Uh, or or some some trigger on the work order, some field on the work order that says it's shutdown related. And if that's the case, then the scheduler adds it to the shutdown schedule. Otherwise, it goes into the backlog, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not really going to talk about the entire scheduling um, process. We'll save that for right. schedule. But from a workflow perspective, we're going to assume suddenly the work order got on the schedule. Mm-hmm. 
So if the work order at that point ends up on a schedule, what happens next? Um, it's so the, scheduled to be executed. Right. So once it gets scheduled to be executed, it ends up in the bucket of a supervisor typically. Yeah. Uh, depending on the size of your organization, right. it could go right to a technician. It could be assigned. And, and the maturity of your organization. You could, in theory, electronically assign as the scheduler directly to technicians if you know which ones are best for what jobs. Yep. Um, the, I think the most common approach is to schedule a bucket of work for a supervisor, and then that supervisor assigns the work to individual technicians. Mm -hmm. At that point, the technician has the work order, and they've got to execute it in the field. And if they're following their schedule, maybe there are specific days that they have to execute the work, but essentially the work order ends up in the technician's hands. In the case of multi-craft technical work, so let's say we're replacing a, a, a fan or a pump or something like that, but I've got to have the electrician come in and disconnect the electric, and then I've got to have the mechanic come in and physically undo the coupling. Yeah. Because either the mechanic can't figure out nine wires or the electrician can't figure out a set screw. Or your union. Oh. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah, yeah. So, well, That's, it depends, right? I, you know, well, I, unions are notorious for that. But I've seen union facilities that, uh, that quite frankly, did both, and, and, and that's okay, too. So, anyway, so we walk through the process of the technician. They could end up transferring the work order in an electronic system, mm -hmm. which is a status that wouldn't exist on a piece of paper uh, because they would just be handing the work order over to the next guy and saying, hey, or a girl and saying, hey, I need this work done. In uh, an electronic system, they would just say, my portion of this is done or these tasks Click are done. Ten tasks. And right. And then they transfer the work order yep. over to the to the next person and then so on and so forth until at some point somebody hits, I'm finished. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the work order is what we would consider to be technically complete or craft complete or completed in the field. Some mechanism, some status that says it's done in the in the field. Uh, and then at that point, depending on your industry, you may have a supervisor review step after after all that. So the supervisor review step is really common in like pharma or food because it's an FDA requirement for a supervisor to review a logbook. And technically, the CMMS system is considered the logbook for maintenance. Uh, and so they'll have a supervisor step where they review the paperwork, make sure everything's good. Uh, and by paperwork could be electronic or paper, and then they complete the work order. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, the work order doesn't necessarily close. No, it's technically complete. There's a difference. What's the difference? Have, well, you have a business completion, which is when all the parts and labor and everything have been charged against the work order, and we've been invoiced against, and all those types of things. Um then your business complete. That means all your transactions are final and everything's been approved. Technically complete means everything on our end from a maintenance perspective has been completed. Um, there's a big, big difference between the two. And, and you know what? And, and if you, you know, in some systems, we they, they will automate that closure. They'll just say either 60, 60 days, days 90, 90 days, days, right? Yeah. They'll, just, they'll, they'll just have the system close it out and hopefully you got invoiced. Mm -hmm. But it's a good point, right? If you either do um, uh, outsource service provider to come in and do some of the work uh, or you've ordered parts that had to come in that were non-stock or whatever the case may be, 
then you've got to wait for the invoice to happen before you financially close the order. And so there's this waiting period that takes place, and most CMMS systems will allow you to automate that based on a date range, mm -hmm. you know, 60, 90 days, and then you close out the system. At that point, the next piece is, uh, is there a follow-up work order? And if there is, it could be regurgitates back into this this whole workflow and everything well, that goes. is there steps that need to improve in the job plan do i need to get with the planner and communicate those things right maybe it's uh we upsized our bolts from nine six or uh, from three eighths to five eighths because it resolved an issue or something those things need to be fed back to the planner to update the job plan so there's got to be that feedback loop in there For questions on this or any other topics, email us at ask at reliabilityx.com. This has been another episode of Practical Reliability brought to you by Reliability X, the DNA of success.